Welcome to An Abundant Future with Matt Powers. I'm your host, Matt Powers, and this is a podcast where we talk about real solutions to regenerate the planet, our culture, our economy, and our collective future. This is a podcast about hope and exciting inspiration, and I can't wait to talk to you today about Kai Sawyer. Kai is over in Japan. He is someone who is leading in bringing back meditation to the youth of Japan, bringing back consciousness, powering through with the gift economy, showing what's possible. And he's really a wise young man. And so let's let's just dive into this conversation and see what we can gain and learn from Kai Sawyer in terms of zone zero, self-care. You know, how are we meeting the world? How is our, our attitude? How is our mental space? Are we designing it the way we like it to be? Are we cultivating, are we managing it properly? How is the garden of your mind? Let's dive in with Kai and, and, and we'll fine tune it together. Here we go. Perfect. I'm glad, I'm glad I arrived. After the lion's mane arrived. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, perfect. So how was your day? Very good. Watched the baby. Um, and that was quite fun. And just cut some greens out of the garden. and Just kind of having a relaxed day. That's wonderful. Yeah. Just doing what's important. Yes. <laughs> That's huge. So I have so many questions. <laughs> so I watched that video and it's so superb. I love the quality. I love the content and I love the delivery. And one of the things that occurred to me was, are, are you currently now, um, do you, you don't have a job that you work for. So you don't have a boss. Yeah, I haven't had a boss since college. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, b nature's my boss. <laughs> nature's all our boss. Yeah. Her mother. So, yeah, I just, that's just basically who I report to. Um, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, it's just, I mean, I guess it's, my life has just worked out where, you know, I'm a full-time free agent activist. And I just do what seems to make the most sense. That's and powerful. And I think that's probably empowering. <laughs> yeah. And basically, it, I mean, it, it's, it's my whole life's an experiment. I guess all of our lives are. But um, so in terms of just the income flow or, or resource flow, because it's not just money, um, it just kind of has always worked out since I started this experiment. And so, yeah, I never work with the intention to make money. I just, if money comes in, it comes in and that's great. And if it doesn't, it's not that big of a deal because it's not the purpose of what I do. Right. And so that comes really that kind of confidence, um, yeah. I think is, is, impressive i think to a lot of people who are caught in this cycle of 
it's like a little drip feed cycle is how I see it. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of this sort of like, um, savoring cycle, uh, mm. where everything you get is a gift. Uh, yeah. E even, even when it's like the, from your garden, you know, everything, your day, the experiences you have with other people, if you recognize mm -hmm. and savor everything, it can be a gift. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's it's just how you see reality. If you see it all as a gift, it's a gift. And if you see it all as something else, it's something else. And it's really, for me, it's about what story you live in, you know? Like, I think people who, who are into the gift economy are all basically storytellers. And we, we tell a different story and we believe our different stories. So Charles Eisenstein's an amazing storyteller, you know? And it's just the story that I want to live by is that, you know, we're, we're here um, to serve, to serve life because that's what we are. We're, we're life itself and servants of life. And all the material needs have always been free and available to all life. And that's why we've flourished on the planet. And if it, if we were charged for every, every, you know, breath of oxygen, you know, every piece of wood we chopped out of, you know, nature, then we'd be broke. Yeah. And it seems like, um, because we're trying to do that, we're, we're, we're ending up more and more broke. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it, this is, yeah. And this is, this is the absurdity of what we're doing is like, it's like, it's like if you don't, you know, it's like we have a, a spring, you know, and it's a really nutritious, tasty, clean water is coming out of the spring. And one day, you know, out of laziness, people start shitting in the spring. And so, you know, for generations, the spring has provided water for everybody to drink and be happy and be nourished. And one day somebody started to shit in the spring and was like, wow, that's pretty, that's convenient. I can just drink and shit. And then more and more people start shit in the spring. And then this free abundant source of nutritious water has just become, you know, toxic. And there's total, it's unnecessary and it, it really doesn't benefit us that much. You know, maybe, you know, you don't have to walk a few more steps to in the forest, but it's kind of, for me, that's what this, our current economic system has done is we just, we do these absurd things that, you know, are totally unnecessary and really not beneficial but it's partly out of the story that we live and it's partly out of habit and it's partly out of this just really intense kind of, I don't know what it is, but just something we've created that it's become a monster that's basically going to wipe us out. And we're, we're always trying to not really look at the root of that. And we're always trying to come up with technological and, kind of really complex innovations that never address the actual issue but make us feel good you know we feel good when whenever we come up with a new invention we're like yeah but <laughs> but it never really addresses the issue 
Well, I think that's where it comes into to play that we're, we are all storytellers, even if we're just copying this, the other stories of other people. Uh, yeah. Because we're telling ourselves those stories internally. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think that... I think that's what's going on is the critical, hypercritical world we live in is really a self-critical world mm -hmm. and that it's the lack of positive self-talk. Mm -hmm. um, the inability to pick which voice we, we listen to in our heads and which voice we amplify and, and diminish. Yeah. So when did, well, when did this begin? I mean, how many years ago, uh, how many years has it been since, since college? Um, and then, then when did this, this thought process begin and what, where were the roots for you? Well, that's a really hard question. <laughs> then that but, means uh, you probably have very good parents. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, totally. My parents, like just different teachers, you know, it's like, I really like how Thich Nhat Hanh talks about our minds are like a garden. And we have all kinds of seeds in there. And some are like turned into really thorny, like hard to manage plants. And others turn into delicious plants that we really want to grow because they're nutritious and and uh, pleasant. And it's like different things water those plants. And that's your parents, you know, your own internal mental process, all this other, you know, teachers TV, internet, whatever you look at, it's all like forms of watering certain seeds. And I just, I think my parents were really awesome. And then really the clearest turning point was when I went to UC Santa Cruz from Japan um, for my first year. And then 9-11 happened and then just my whole entire delusion of reality or the story that I believed in at that time fell apart and I needed a new story Whoa. and I just I you know because I, I thought I lived in a peaceful world where war was over you know which is a very common view for Japanese it's like after World War II wars have finished and there's some conflicts around the world but generally wars it was like just this old thing that people used to do and that changed when suddenly the country I moved to was like, we're going to go bomb somebody. And then I met like student activists and then I met Satish Kumar and Vandana Shiva and, you know, Paul Stamets and all these amazing, really cool people just came to our university to teach. And they were all telling a different story and just super inspirational. And so slowly I kind of rubbed on me their story became my story and then as I hung out more and more with amazing storyteller activists including Thich Nhat Hanh um, I started to realize wow like life is about story and the story you believe changes everything and so I I might as well choose a story that gives me power and pleasure and joy and hope and so I started to you know mix and match the stories I've heard with my own life story and then slowly this became um, my reality and then I just kind of have been continuing to push that further and further and 
um, Vipassana meditation was another amazing story where it was like, you can run a course that feeds and houses people by only donation. And actually you make it really hard for people to pay. And that was like, wow, like <laughs> I want to do, that's awesome. Like that's integrity. And so I've been living that story and just sharing that story and then other people want to live that story or be part of that story so they've been supporting me and they've been doing their experiments and so it's kind of like you know the more we water the story the more power it becomes and and if it's a really hopeful inspirational story it moves people in that direction and fear is another really powerful story kind of energy you know and so that's kind of what's become our default is fear and doom and threats and you know it's it's a real it's really powerful and actually i think what it does is it it um basically it overrides our prefrontal cortex and it takes us to our like reptilian brain so we're no longer able to think about things rationally or see a bigger picture and we're trying to make quick decisions for our immediate survival and that's really dangerous and that's the reality that we've created you know um but what I'm trying to do is to bring myself more into my heart and use my whole body as, as the storyteller and decision maker of my life. And, and, you know, that's served me quite well so far. That's incredible. So I was in New York city, uh, on September 11th and mm. <clears throat> I was the second year NYU student living in Manhattan uh, in the village on 3rd and 11th in the dorm there. And so I was totally bathed in that fear for many years mm -hmm. afterwards. I mean, they, it was a demilitarized zone. You had people with machine gun turrets and stuff like that in between, in like alleys set up down. And I lived down the year after that. I moved down to Water Street. So I was like, you know, a, a minute and a half walk from... Uh, ground zero as they call it uh, and so yeah no I definitely lived anxiety and fear mm -hmm. and that's why I just I, I got sick of it I was just tired it's, it's exhausting living in that yeah. space and I want to have energy and joy and vibrancy in my life and that only comes from making really clear choices and it's like you know like a garden um, and I think that it, it, it took me a long time to figure out that I was in, I was, my brain was a garden. Then it took me a long time to find even the things to populate it with. Mm -hmm. So it's incredible that, uh, you were able to, you know, find this path so early and, uh, respond so well to, to what happened because that kind of response, I mean, so many of us went into um, political modes and mm -hmm. and and you know choreographed responses, and yeah. and it was just it was horrific um, on all all fronts. So 
so yeah no i think that a lot of us are also dealing with that the realizations that came through getting over politics and getting over the the misinformation and the fear and all of it um and now we're at a state where people are like hovering and they don't know what to do they don't they know that there's like unspoken rules or there are no rules and and people feel just lost and i think that um that's why at this moment you suddenly are seeing this huge shift and i don't know if you know about this but there's regenerative organic um standards that are being uh, like a certification that are being proposed right now um oh. there's huge amounts of money that are going towards ocean regeneration right now in the form of grants um, mm -hmm. there's there's a, a huge focus now on on soil science from so many different angles and so many different people um they're finally getting down to the why not just mm -hmm. like it should be organic they're like no no, no we got to get the science in there so people actually understand and we're i'm seeing this sea change wave starting right now and and I mean, it's obviously been starting for years if I'm seeing it, right? <laughs> but but I think people are ready. And I think that the key to making these changes, these big, big, bold, everyone's like, oh, it's so bold. I, I'm, I, I'm attracted to the courageousness of doing this permaculture thing and doing this regenerative economy. But what's going to hold the ship together is our zone zeros and mm -hmm. our, our inner zones and... We really need guides and examples and um, people to show us how. <laughs> I've been meditating a week, and nice. and I just uh, got off the phone today with a with a, a coach, and their their advice was to double it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. So um, <laughs> yeah, and and it's and it's just that it's tending that inner garden, that inner zone, and so. I would love if you could give myself and my audience kind of just like where we need to start, where we need to make, you know, our, our, our bare minimum. It's like, if you want this to make a difference, if you want focusing on an intentional life, meditation, um, tending your zone zero, being, having your life, you know, be wonderful, be, be a beautiful garden uh, every moment how do you start that and then what consistent habits do you need to cultivate and keep going i would say the what i practice um is a lot of gratitude and that's i think the easiest um step into transforming your life and here's an experiment everybody can do um spend one day complaining about all the things that aren't working and see how you feel at the end of the day and see how the people around you feel at the end of the day. So you just, you know, you, you make a commitment and you just all day long, you just complain <laughs> about, you know, oh, there's dust on the ground. Oh, my coffee's not hot enough. Oh no, Donald Trump said this, you know, whatever, you know, just keep complaining. And just really observe yourself. It's an experiment. It's a scientific experiment to see how you feel. And then pick another day and just practice not complaining and instead 
focus on gratitude. Like just point out all the tiny things you could be happy about. Like, wow, the air f- smells so fresh today. Or my coffee was just perfect. Or, you know, like, thank you for smiling at me. You know, like whatever, anything you can appreciate and just spend the day sharing your appreciations both to yourself and to the people around you and see how you feel. And in my experience, it's quite noticeable. It's both noticeable when I practice it and it's also noticeable when other people, like if I'm around somebody who's always complaining, I just don't, you know, I don't want to hang out with them for that long and I don't feel nourished. But if I'm with somebody who, you know, maybe not like over the top appreciative, because <laughs> sometimes that can be triggering, but, you know, just kind of generally smiling and being like, oh, man, I'm just so happy to hang out with you. And I'm just so happy that there's some beautiful clouds rolling in. And, you know, just, you know, life is really awesome. You know, like to spend some time with a person like that really makes a difference. And this is something you can do anytime you want you know it's it's just an inner decision for you to choose you know what you want your mind to focus on and what energy you want to put out into the world in terms of like your voice and so this is you know really about you know if your mind was a garden and you had all these seeds you know you had like maybe you had some blackberries and thistles and um, some, you know, kind of like plants that, you know, they're not bad guys. They're just kind of harder to engage with in your garden. And then you had like, you know, daisies and sunflowers and I don't know, um, whatever you like, mangoes, papaya, tomatoes, carrots, you know, it's like, what are you going to water, you know, and, and to make a conscious decision about it because, whatever you water gets stronger and other people are also watering your garden. So, and, and so does the media and the internet. So whatever websites you look at, like if you look at bad news every day, you're probably going to feel kind of hopeless and unhappy about the world. But if you balance it out with news, that's like hopeful and like, let's make change, which I think is really the permaculture narrative is, is about like, yeah, things are pretty bad. And there's something we can do about it. And so let's start digging and growing stuff. And if you focus that kind of, you know, focus on that story and let those stories come into you and um, that kind of information come into you and then live it, it really starts to nourish something else. And so, yeah, the easiest, um, most accessible practice that I would say is really doing having a regular practice of gratitudes and to make sure a bunch of those gratitudes are about yourself because really to transform the world around us and ourselves, we need to feel like we can change things. And for us to feel like we can change things, we have to have a certain level of self confidence and self esteem and just, just to be able to accept and love ourselves and that's that's pretty hard, you know, for a lot of us. But when we're able to do that, then it's it's just like you have a huge flow of energy um, that will 
help you be able to make the changes you want to make in your life and around the world. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of like my first easy practice that I would love to just spread to everybody. You know, if everybody just started to share gratitudes and appreciations, you know, like doubled it from what we're doing right now, I think there would be a noticeable impact on our economy, our society, our ecology, our mental ecology, all that stuff. Yeah, I think that our, our, I mean, mental illness in our society, people are like, where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? And it's like, well, when you create an echo chamber of negative self-talk, you know, some people get caught in corners sometimes and it gets too loud and they become, yeah. they become it. So I really, yeah. I really believe I do affirmations every morning and I write my own and I'm going to, I'm working on a book right now where it's uh, kind of a DIY affirmations so that it kind of shows people what they can do and how they should write their own because everyone kind of has their own kind of uh, unique drives and modalities and, and, and also lexicon. You know, some words are going to be words that resonate with you and some words aren't. So that's why it's so important that we write our own because it's also yeah. empowering when we write something that empowers mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And, uh, and I've, I've got a gratitude journal that I do every night because I heard uh, about a year ago now, I, I heard that the last moments and last kind of like part of the night before you go to bed, your brain works this way where it selects um, like these memories and then it, it uh, reinforces them. So if you're focused on neg- negativity at the end of the day, all the things that went wrong, it's going to select them and strengthen them. And so you'll wake up ang- anxious, worried about those things. But if you focused on with gratitude, it strengthens those. And so, mm-hmm. and so you wake up in the next day feeling more gratitude, feeling like it's going to be a good day. And I've been doing this, and it, it makes such a difference. It really yeah. does. Um, it seems like everything makes a difference, and then you keep, want to keep adding to the, the repertoire. Because, I mean, I have a huge <laughs> list of things, and then I have more things I want to do. Um, <laughs> but I think that for me the hardest thing is actually meditation. And, uh, I mean, right now I'm really, I, I, I'm basically at the point where I understand what meditation is now (laughs) because most people are like, Oh, is that the thing where you don't think? And it's like, Nope. It's that thing where you withhold like interruptions and you respond and you like let go of thoughts that come and approach because thoughts will come, but it's that hesitation before you make a choice in real life outside of that meditation moment Mm. where you can stop and be like, I will choose how I respond to this emotionally and mentally in this moment. It's like that kind of control. Ooh, I wish someone had told me that like when I was a kid, that that's where this this comes from. Yeah. I don't know where else it can come from because I mean, I've had children. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, I've gone through the parenting thing. I've, I've, I work with kids all the time, but I want a higher level, and I know it's possible. And I've, I've wanted it, and I've thought about it, I've tried to cultivate it, but it's, it's, it's real when you, when you start doing meditation because you have to deal with yourself doing that. 
You're like, yeah, no, no, no I'm just meditating here. And you're like, da, 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 and you're like, oh, okay, isn't brain. that weird? It's it's kind of like there's like there's like several different personalities like clashing. You know, one of one of you is trying to just sit and be peaceful and quiet and relaxed. And as soon as you try that out, you have this like other you that's like trying to do everything to stop that. Right. And it cajoles you. It, it comes up with great that's ideas. Sick. And like, yeah. yeah, it's like a five year old at times. Yeah. How about uh, that email? <laughs> what about that? What about, whoa, what about this? Yeah. Why are we just sitting? Like, there's so much we could be doing. Right. It's really, really surprising. And it, yeah. and it, and it, makes it so that when yeah it just makes this such a difference it's and i've only been doing this every day for a week and it, it took me you know a month and a half to get it so i could do it every day for a week you yeah. and now i'm gonna double it i'm, I'm doubling down mm -hmm. um as of today nice <laughs> double it down but yeah, yeah no i want that next level and it's funny because um it's been like staring me in the face. I mean, people have been talking about meditation. That word, you know, has been in my vocabulary. I don't know how long. Mm -hmm. And it's I, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if every single person could give a definition who's listening to this of what meditation is and why it's beneficial and in a general sense, but not really know. And so I'm at that point where I know now that it's valuable and I know what it is. But now I've got to get to that next step where it's really unlocking and becoming this thing that I get into a rhythm and a zone with. I'm not in a zone yet. Mm. <laughs> well, that's I'm I'm glad to really hear your enthusiasm, and I, and I think this is this is the thing about meditation is it's for me. So you know, I've been meditating since maybe 2005 when I went to Deer Park Monastery in San Diego, which is I want to take Nat Han, the Zen poet, um, one of his monasteries, and I lived there for two months, and that was my introduction to meditation. And to this day, I'm still not sure if I really get it. Ah. And it's it's kind of this it's this really fascinating, endlessly um, changing journey where it's like. You start and you start to get it and then it's like really great and then you get distracted or or you have a really hard time, you know, the meditation starts to become less pleasant and more like tough. <laughs> That's what and, happens with spirituality too. Yeah. You and and because because what you're doing is you're engaging with reality. And reality is not just about being, you know, it's not just about being relaxed and peaceful and happy. It's like it's the full deal. You know, you were happy, we're jealous, we're angry. You know, we have major self-judgments. We have trauma from our childhood. We have trauma coming up. And for me, it's really about how can you just receive reality and embrace it for what it is? and then let it go hmm. and so this is like somewhere down the line somebody told me about impermaculture you know and i love that term because 
you know, just with permaculture are a lot of things in our life. We want permanence. We want stability. We want to be able to expect and get that expectation fulfilled. But when it doesn't get fulfilled, it makes us so unhappy. And, and it's like, so when do expectations really make us happy? Hmm. And when you're able to stop grasping for things, and just let reality come and be like, hey, reality, thanks for passing by. And then let it go because the next reality is coming. And when we're able to do that with a calm, relaxed, you know, some people use the word equanimous. But if we can just, you know, receive, you know, if, even if it's really intense anger or whether it's like violence coming toward you, if you're able to be calm and embrace it with love, then... I think the quality of our life, I mean, through my experience, my quality of life has become so much higher and I just love it, you know, and, and I'm able to be with jealousy or with anger, you know, or in proximity to violence with a much more peaceful mind, which is how I want to be in the world and how I want the world to be. And so it's how do we cultivate that capacity in us? And we all have it. We, we are we're able to grow that and it's just simple practices and and the most you know the one that's most common is the sitting meditation and it's sitting is great because you get to cut out all these usual distractions that pull us and you get to just check out your mind and see what's going on you get to watch the show that's happening in your mind that sometimes you don't know that's happening and how crazy it is but it's all you it's all inside of us and to slowly develop our ability to concentrate, you know, and just be like, okay, yeah, that, that's a great email I could write. Or, oh, shoot, I should watch that TV show. Or, oh, man, that guy said this to me and that really pissed me off. All that stuff is just passing by like clouds. And if you're able to just watch them like clouds pass by and not try to grab onto them, you're much more able to have this relaxed state, mm. you know? And so, you know, what you're, what you're talking about is doubling that time is basically, it's kind of like muscle training. You know, you go to the gym, if you double the time, you're going to build more muscle. It's like you're, that's what you're cultivating is mental capacity, like the ability to concentrate. And so the more time you spend focused on doing that, the more you'll, grow that capacity mm, I love that I realized uh, midweek that I'd been doing a form of meditation I'm doing uh, a, a release meditation right now um, but mm. I was I was for years I was doing I was playing bass and if you've ever done scales for an hour mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mind-numbing and <laughs> after like 15 minutes of playing to all right and the other thing is this if you're really serious about b bass and everything uh you're going to be playing like 16th notes for like 15 minutes on one note and mm -hmm. like what that does to your brain in that time period it makes it turn into like a squirrel and so like <laughs> minute five you're like D -d 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 -d. and meanwhile like you're feeling like the the the, the metronome's like click 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 instead of click 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 because mm -hmm. you're like so deep into like just doing it you know maybe not five minutes maybe like 10 minutes in 
but mm. but you're like really into it and you're like holy cow you just got to focus on focusing and when you're at that point that's like really where practicing ended up being for me after years of playing it wasn't mm -hmm. like i was like practicing you know rush and trying to do highly technical things it was i was trying to work on my tone so i was holding all four fingers down so I could like work on my muscle memory and then like listening and playing the same mm. note in perfect time, trying to make the same tone, trying to enrich the, and which is maddening. It's a total maddening exercise when you do it. So I had to create this mental durability um, to, to, to handle that. And so it was, it was my form of meditation, but I would do, I would, I would be doing that, um, and you know staring out the window at new york city and stuff like that <laughs> mm. so it's some form of entertainment um yeah but but yeah i i really think that people know meditative states they instinctually have touched upon them and sourced them in their lives for strength mm -hmm. and focus there you know all of us have and i think it's just focusing and creating that higher level of uh, concentration that, that, that yeah. eludes so many of us because we're just going from task to task. It's like, oh, no, I'm trying to keep up. And it's like, you want me to slow down? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Everything's going to start crashing and my task list is going to explode. That's what I thought. And I feel yeah. like other people it's, think that too. It drives our society and our madness. Yeah. And and so it's it's fascinating because, you know, on the one hand, like, you know, I live in pretty close proximity to Tokyo. So Tokyo is designed to not give you space to, like, just be with. It's always designing itself to become ever more efficient. You think less, you're aware of less, and more things are automatized, including you, you know. And so you're, like, maximum efficiency from point A to point B, get a ton of stuff done. Anytime you have nothing to do, there's all these applications on your smartphone to like fill it. And I think meditation in the world of that kind of spiritual practice is, is quite the opposite where you're trying to create more and more space so you can be with yourself, be with reality. And it's, it's actually quite difficult. I think, especially in our time because everything in our society is trying to take us in the opposite dis direction and constantly distract us. And so, you know, sitting meditation becomes this like huge thing, you know, it's like <laughs> going on a, like a three month vacation. It's just like, I don't know if I have time for 10 minutes of sitting, you know? And, and so I, I really want to encourage people to start with what you can. If it's five minutes or if it's one minute, then start with that and try to have a consistent practice like you were talking about, Matt. And, and then when you start to really get into it, you can increase it. And the other thing that um, has helped me a lot is um, I have a mindfulness bell. And this is a practice from Thich Nhat Hanh's monasteries but every hour I have a bell that rings in my room and you can hear it in the entire house and the practice is when the bell rings I stop and I breathe at least three times take some deep breaths three times and just check in with myself 
to see what's going on in my mind. Am I really doing what nourishes me or am I just living out a habit and actually doing things that aren't nourishing me? And I practice it with my wife and whoever comes to visit us. Suddenly the bell will ring and my wife and I would just stop. Like Even if we're talking, we'll stop in mid-sentence. Or even if we're cooking or on the computer, we'll just stop what we're doing and take a few breaths. And it's kind of like a, a fun way to invite people into the world of meditation. But it also has a real meaningful um, impact on our lives because we can actually check in with ourselves and like you were talking about Matt we can start to go back into living out of choice rather than habit and not go, be on autopilot anymore and really be like what is the most meaningful thing I want to do in this moment and sometimes it's really great because it'll happen when I'm like quarreling with my partner and so we'll be saying, you know, the usual mean things and trying to like judge each other and, you know, make our point that we're right and all that, which is really ridiculous and not very nourishing in a romantic or any kind of relationship. And when the bell rings and I'm able to come back to my, you know, senses and I'm like, is this really how I want to interact with my wife? Like, is this really benefiting anybody? including myself, then I'm like, no, I want to I wanna enjoy my time with my wife. And the thing I'm so amped up about is actually, it's nothing. It's, it's not even, that's not even the issue. I'm just stressed out right now. I'm tired. And that's all I need to tell her is, hey, you know, actually, I'm, I'm really angry, but I'm angry because I just need more sleep. So having a mindfulness bell, um, and you can look that up because there's lots of articles and stuff about it. But does it that's go overnight? A... Uh, no, I can turn it off overnight. Have um, you thought about putting it on really quietly so in your dreams you're like, ah? Well, it rings <laughs> at one one a.m. when I help uh, feed the baby, and usually wakes me up. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that 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 would be an interesting experiment. <laughs> Yeah, but and and the mindfulness bell, like I actually have a bell that automatically rings, um, but I use uh, birds chirping or whenever I sense the wind also as mindfulness bells. So if I'm walking in Tokyo or or anywhere and I feel the wind and I actually notice it, then I take I stop and I take a few breaths and just check in with myself. Or if I hear some birds chirping, then I just stop. Wherever I am, I just try to stop and see if I can stop, first of all. Because actually, sometimes when I'm in the city, it's really hard to stop walking. Like there's something in me that wants to move even faster and, and it's sort of like fighting inertia. But to just make sure I'm actually still the protagonist of my own story and to be like, if I want to stop now, can I stop? You know, if I don't want to do the task that I'm doing, am I able to really choose not to do it and to just check in with who is at, in control of my life and then to check in with my mind and my body and be like, okay, so how's my mind doing? How's my body doing? And just checking. And so for me, meditation's you know, really about observation. And that's what permaculture is about. It's like observation. And when you're able to see reality for what it is, you're better able to make choices that actually benefit you 
And so the mindfulness bell practice is another easy one that I would highly recommend that doesn't require you to actually sit, you know, for five or 10 or an hour. Um, it's just rings. And all you have to do is commit to stopping and taking a few breaths. And it's like really like less than a minute every hour. So I'm sure everybody could spare that, you know, one minute every hour. And if you don't do it while you're sleeping, that's like, what, maybe 16 minutes a day? Yeah, it's not very much at all. <laughs> yeah, but your mind will say it's, it's a big deal and you should have second thoughts about it. <laughs> well, your mind will say it's a big deal when you do it too. Yeah, yeah, so... Which mind do you believe? <laughs> we have to make up our mind, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing is like our minds are endless fun. And it's one of the things that has such a huge presence in our life, but we know so little about. Mm. So it's like, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate that we don't create more space for our children to spend time with themselves, with their minds and just be like, hey, check it out, you know. This is this thing that's always with you, you know, and it's just you don't look outward at it. You look inward and, you know, it's just this infinite space of all kinds of things going on and it's all about you. And it's like, why don't we just be a little bit curious and take some time to check it out and really know who we are? And that is really what it's about. It's like it's getting to know who we are. I think if we give children more time to think, they will surprise us with the maturity they can achieve at a young age. Yeah, and teach us. Mm -hmm. You know, because we, 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 you know, we're kind of damaged people. <laughs> you know, like in, when I see children, it's just so pure, you know, the expressions and, and the way most children are so connected to life and adults have become so skillful at suppressing our most natural elements. Like this is, this is what's crazy for me is sometimes I'm on the computer writing emails and I realize I need to go pee and I'm still on the computer for the next 30 minutes to an hour and it's toxic for my body, but I'm able to override the most natural need to just get, you know, this stuff out of my body because something in my brain is like, no, this email is more important than going to pee. And either way, I'm going to pee, but I need to focus on this email. And then, oh, there's another email. And so, you know, whereas my baby right now will pee when it needs to pee, you know. And so it's, it's kind of like, yeah, our children can teach us so much. And, you know, I think if we're going to put them in schools or in institutions, then we should make sure that we just create space for them to be curious about their own minds and, and just to just be instead of packing them full of information that may not be even serving us. I so agree. We definitely unschool in our family. And mm. so we do one-on-one -on -one self you know, self-directed education. 
and mm-hmm. uh, we, you know we, we recognize and, and follow the laws upon which you know each state that which we live in you know guides homeschoolers but we are focused on giving him as much time as possible to choose his own path to think and reflect to grow in the ways that he and the remarkable thing is i mean npr spent half an hour interviewing him when they came oh nice yeah and they came to interview me but they got hooked on him Mm -hmm. uh because he's remarkable yeah um and i don't think he would be entirely remarkable i mean he'll always be remarkable because i love him so much but but i think (laughs) more children would be what we call remarkable if they had time to become so. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, James, you know, he's got super high level skills in some areas. In some areas, he just didn't have much of an interest. And so we let him move at his own pace. So he's, you know, amazing with horses. He is really good around the farm. He can grow things. He can save seed. He can plant. He can harvest. You know, he, he he's... He raises animals. He breeds animals. He knows how to even harvest animals. He knows how to cook. Um, so he, you know, he understands how to live, you know. But, I mean, he, and he's also, you know, arguably a musical genius. It's it's stunning. He can just, mm. every time he sits down on the piano, he just plays. And he's all self-taught. He plays from just uh, by ear. And pa- he calls it Patterns. Mm-hmm. And it's all because we provided space and provided environment. And the kind mm-hmm. of encouragement I gave was like, oh, of course you could figure it out. You just had to do it enough and connect your mind to your hands. And because I made it so simple and clear and, and I explained that it was just doing it over and over again, he did it. And he's wow. and so in my, in my mind, everyone's like, wow, he's so amazing riding horses. Wow, he's so incredible understanding, you know, the science behind permaculture and all this stuff. And. He's, I can't believe he plays music like this and stuff. But it's like, I think everyone's children has incredible talents already. And when I was a teacher, it was like, I need to to reach through their irritation of, uh, of being there, through you know the preconceived notions and reach the person who they want to be and then connect themselves to that. And then when mm-hmm. I do that, yeah, all the other stuff like English and their other classes, that 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 can all fall into place. But until they actually are connected to who they want to be, it just doesn't go. And so, yeah, I absolutely echo that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, like when I think about permaculture, anything that I do, it's like what I really want to be doing is to let beauty unfold. Mm. And you know, so much of our world is about managing and designing and kind of like, you know, putting our ideas. Oh, yeah. That's a big problem. And, and you know, it's, you know, to some degree, it's it's pleasurable and fun and it's a creative process. But it's like there's so much beauty that's just trying to come out if you let it, you know. And so it's kind of like you see this you know, pristine forest, but you have this really amazing permaculture amusement park you want to make and you bulldoze the whole forest because this amazing, you know, permaculture amusement park is just, you know, waiting in your mind to manifest. And 
you know, you put it out there and like you got your amusement park, but you've lost so much. And I think the same happens in our lives and in our minds is, is there's so much beauty inside of us, but we're always trying to like gain more outside and we fail to realize how much beauty That was the bell. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I'm glad the audience could participate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just, you know, being able to see the beauty that's already there and to create space to let it unfold. I think that's a really important point, and I'll, I'll rephrase that just so people get that, that, that point driven home. I think a lot of designers have a cookie cutter image of permaculture in their head and that comes out of just being introduced to that in their PDCs or online in memes or through a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. um, and so they get a cookie cutter because that's what fits in the YouTube video and it's not always the person's fault who's teaching. So people have this, you know, quick answer, quick fix, you know, thing in their heads and they don't consider what is actually already on their property. They don't do native, they don't call their, you know, native plant uh, research folk. They don't do any real studying. Instead, they go right to Home Depot and they're like, all right, I want five apple, you know, trees. I want six pears and mm -hmm. we're going to do a food forest. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they just put it in an orchard, you know, with some herbs. And, or, or they just uh, bring in compost into their gardens. And they're like, I'm doing permaculture. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's, this is the reason why I, it's such a joy to be learning and, uh, partnering and working with someone like Sean Sherman, who is, re he's, he has, he's heralding a renaissance of indigenous North American food systems. Mm. And so what that means is people are being able to return to perennial foods in their actual local areas and and actually know how to make them into great foods that taste delicious that are hyper local that are seasonal that are gluten-free that are sugar-free you know all these all these things that you know are problems um they, they're providing solutions and i and i'm trying to show as much as possible uh more perennial systems uh and and using as, as much native as as possible because it's what's already there. It's what's within the space we occupy that's waiting to wow us. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, our loved ones, uh, especially, you know, when you get past that honeymoon phase, you know, when, when, when that's what the terrible twos actually is, I'm sorry to say, the child cries less than they do mm -hmm. in the first six months. You just don't remember. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. This is the honeymoon phase. And the same thing with marriage. You know, that first two years, it's like, you know, you're bulletproof. You're like, well, I'm married now, so mm -hmm. <laughs> that doesn't count. And, you know, but like when 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 you are actually get beyond that, it, it becomes much more difficult. And that's why we need to turn back and, and realize what we have and how precious it is. 
and w- mm-hmm. that's within us too um so yeah i think that we need to not go to these sites and go oh yeah you need a swale here and you need an herb spiral here you know that classic thing i think we need to go and observe i'm on this site right now in washington and i threw some seeds down and i didn't till the ground at all i simply threw it down among the native grasses and they're like cover crops, you know, they're, 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 they're things like peas and legumes. Um, and I'm watching what happens and they're growing among all the, the natives and it's greener where I threw all that at, and, and the natives are doing better too. But mm. I, I'm learning so much because I just asked a question mm-hmm. and it wasn't like I was like installing an answer and, 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 and interrupting what was going on. I, there was a conversation going on between the seasons and this place and I threw those seeds out there as a question to enter their conversation. And so now I'm observing what's going on and I'm learning a ton. I'm seeing that, you know, that the legumes are going to have a massive effect on this, on this, on this area. And I think that, um, it'll tie up this, this hill, which this site was, you know, cleared for, for people. And so this hill is constantly sagging because it's trying to heal back into forest. So we're going to do that. But, mm. but you know, I could have come in and been like, oh, no, we're going to put swales all the way up and down. We're going to fit as much food as possible. We're going to do this and do that. You know, it might sound really good. It might sound like I'm being confident. But it's it's not – it's being blind um, and not even it's, – it's not even giving a moment thought or or space for what's actual what's really there so so yeah that's that's what what i wanted to echo from what you were just saying Um, yeah i like that and i i i want to just and and bring that back to the inner landscape and and you know i would love for everybody to just get to know yourself better and then to throw those seeds in the form of a question is like, you know, what wants to unfold in you? You know, what is it that wants to grow in you? And how might you do that? And for me, you know, as I kind of spend more and more time with myself and, and do meditations or just go into nature, which is for me like a meditation, it's like nature is the original temple. such a treat having Kai talk to us all the way from Japan about zone zero about how we're going to manage ourselves so that we can manage our lives our environments our jobs our vision better we can create a world that's beyond our imagination we can create our dreams we can make them happen but we must be in a position of feeling like we can of believing in ourselves, of having the faith that we can do it. And that takes investing in ourselves, takes time, it takes focusing on that, making it a goal in and of itself. So I hope you take the time this week and every week to ramp up your in your inner self, 
ramp up your excitement, your enthusiasm, your curiosity, your hope. Get inspired. Learn something new this week. Do something new this week. Teach yourself something new this week. Push yourself beyond what, you, what you've thought you, you've been capable of. And when you do that, when you realize that not only do we learn from others, but we gain so much from forcing ourselves to that next level. And we can do it. It's, I mean, it's entirely in the cards for us. We can do this. So I hope you feel inspired to make some changes, to uh, ramp up, to get excited, to reach out and spread that to the people in your lives. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for choosing to live more regeneratively. And I just want to show you my gratitude. Uh, we have a huge sale happening right now at thepermaculturestudent.com. Every course has at least $100 off. Right now, the permaculture gardening course is $97. It's less than $100. And this course is everyone's favorite course of mine. They, they have eight weeks. We dive in so deep into all the different particulars of gardening through the permaculture lens. So you get the design. You get the specifics. You get to understand the systems all in dealing with the garden. So we go deep. It's not like a PDC where we cover everything in the universe and everything on Earth. This is specific to just your garden design. And so it does use a lot of that stuff but in a just specific lens. And it's all climates. We got people from Florida, people from Alaska, people from all over the world. So don't worry about that. And it's lifetime access to the videos, lifetime access to the community. And if you sign up right now, you'll be, you'll be able to take it live with everyone who's ever taken the course this January. It's gonna be huge. We're going to have a huge alumni included permaculture gardening course and it's going to be so much fun people are going to get their garden designs out and everyone's going to be able to see it discuss it come up with the best of the best ideas as we explore all the best practices and insights that permaculture has and science has discovered and all the leading experts have really shown us i've collected all that information and organized it it includes the permaculture student one the permaculture student two I answer all the questions that you have. I have all these alumni TAs that are going to be helping out too. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the price is right. I mean, this is a $97 course for, you know, eight weeks with lifetime access. And you actually get to take this live every single time I'm going to do it live. So I'm going to have everyone come back and participate. We're going to keep ramping it up. We're going to keep making it better and better. It's going to be a lot of fun. So join us this January, make it your New Year's resolution to get that garden to the exponential abundance that it can be. Have your garden get easier and easier to manage as it grows more and more food. Figure out how to unlock the potential of your soil. Figure out how to save seed, how to save the best seed, how to have the ultimate garden and how to make it easy and fun. So that's what we do in permaculture gardening. It's, it's so much fun. People are saying it's the best permaculture course they've ever taken. And you, you want to find out. I know you do. It's going to be fun. I'll be there. You'll be there. It'll be great. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly. Learn daily. And live regeneratively. And have an awesome week, guys. I'll talk to you soon.